Bye. Short Bus Debate Club. It's a bus. Rolling. get on board. <laughs> Hello, I'm Darren Jolly. <laughs> it's time to get this short bus started. So let's roll and on with the show. Hello and welcome to the second half of Vigilantism and You. That isn't what it's really called. That was just my intro. As always, Darren Jolly's right there. What is what was it? Delphinium Morpheus Delphinium <laughs> Delphus Morphinium. Delphus Morphinium. That's a code word. I don't know what it's for, but Delphus Morphinium. Um. Okay. So we're doing. This is the second hour or so of vigilantes and and vigilanteism. Um. So historically, at least here in the United States, again, I think a lot of what they called lynch mobs and and things like that were used in order to control certain portions of the population, and they called it vigilantism. Um, There's also like privatized vigilantism, which would be like security guards on the most basic level. Uh, Elaborate on that a little bit. Well, so um, they considered like a lot of the strike breakers um, vigilantes, even though they were hired by whatever company was that the the employees were striking against. Um, But they're a sheriff's posse was at least in part vigilantes, even though they had been deputized. And depending on how you look at it, um, if said sheriff who had deputized the posse had something that wasn't above board, like, you know, a lot of those guys down in, in Tulsa in 1921 were sheriffs, and they deputized a lot of these people that were their KKK buddy. So now that KKK guy had a fucking badge and he could go and shoot these people and it was supposedly legal. Um, that they still identified that as vigilantism. Yeah. Even though they gave them the formal power of the state to do what they did. Yeah. Well, and again, I'm guessing that it depends on what article you read, who yeah. who wrote it, you know, if it's if it's a white guy with ties to KKK historically, they were completely legal and did everything correct. Thin blue line thing again. Um if it was the great great granddaughter of, you know, one of the the banker who got shot, and I don't know if the banker got shot or not, but if it was the great-granddaughter of the the banker that got shot, great-great, then she probably has a a different slant on it, and they were vigilantes, uh, or possibly just fucking criminals from the get. Um, So I, I don't know, but for some reason, when we started talking about this, I don't know if you remember not 
but in 1984, Bernard Getz or Bernie Getz shot Bernie Getz. He shot those four kids in the fucking subway in New York. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember this one. Um, what was what was the context? They were gonna rob him. Okay. One of them had a screwdriver. I think another one had a knife. So he shot these four he, he kids. Had a, he, had, he had a gun. On him. Okay. Yeah. He shot these four kids. Everybody was up in arms. He's a vigilante. He's a vigilante. He shouldn't have done it. He's saying self-defense, self-defense. I wasn't a vigilante. Um, they also called him a racist. The four kids happened to be black. None of the kids died. I, I just double-checked to make sure. None of the kids died. One of them did get paralyzed from the neck down, which isn't all that bad. <laughs> you know, I'm going to catch a stray bullet that's going to come towards you. There's, there's a lot of people I know that are paralyzed from the neck up. Um, a lot of them. They can't even play lawn darts. <laughs> that's really funny, bud. That's, that's fucking hilarious. <laughs> And that's all I've got to say. About Thanks. That. I, I try. Um, so he ended up getting up. Yeah, getting he, okay. he was found innocent. Was, but, it, was it was it just him and the four that were there witnesses? Was there I can't remember all of it. I mean, dude, it was 1984. It was a long well, time ago. Don't tell me that you were just thinking back to remember it. You, well, no, I I just looked it up real quick to make sure because I couldn't remember how many of the kids there were. I just knew that he shot some kids in the subway. So I looked up to see what the numbers were. Um, I can read the fucking art. Talk some more. I anything from 1984. Talk some more. And I'll, uh, <laughs> I'll do some more reading and, and no, no, find just, out. Just keep, keep going on wherever the, the direction you're going. Well, my point is, is that even, even back then, things were kind of skewed and and confused um and i'm willing to bet that if the roles were reversed again and it wasn't a white guy and let's say since they were in new york it was a puerto rican or a black guy okay. um and four white kids and they shot the four white kids dude's going to prison um that's speculation. I don't know for sure if if that's the case or not. But what if it was uh, um, O.J. Simpson? They would just chase him around in a subway car. <laughs> we can't get him. Somebody get Cato. <laughs> Where's Cato? <laughs> the helicopters would crash into the fucking subway tunnels. Um, I don't. I don't know. They'd find a glove somewhere. But see that. I, I'm surprised that he ended up going to prison the second time around because, you know, he didn't. Even when he robbed yeah, that shit? Right. But, and I think at that point, like, people were just saying, you know what? And he wasn't rich anymore. Um, but I think at that point they said, fuck it. You know what? We let him get away with murder. And he continues to do stupid shit. So... We're we're putting them in jail now. You really think that was the conversation that they had with the uh, with the DA? They're like, no, like we let them get away with murder, you know. 
The motherfucker goes and robs this fucking place. Have you seen him in a picture lately? He doesn't look good. He should be in prison. Anybody who looks that bad should be in prison anyway. You really think that's the logic that they went that went on in their mind? Well, no, not necessarily. But again, he wasn't rich anymore because he was stealing people's shit. Yeah, he was. It, there was. It was a weird robbery. He was in. I think he's in think, Nevada. In yeah, Nevada. he's in jail and or in prison in Nevada now. Um, and I think. I think he was. It was a sports memorabilia thing, and he was trying to steal back like something that he had sold them, like an autographed picture or a fucking ring or something that he had sold these guys, um, and he was trying to steal it back. I could be wrong. What was his lawyer's name originally? The guy that he ended up defending Bill Clinton, I think, when the the impeachment stuff was going on. If the glove don't fit, you need to acquit. What was it, Johnny? Cochran. Johnny Cochran. That's right. Um, Johnny Cochran. But then the other lawyer for him was uh, the Kardashians' dad. I, I don't. I don't know anything about that. I'm and happy to say I don't know anything about that family. I don't really know a lot about him either, but I know that he was. Anyway, he's dead now, but um, I think he was part of the defense team, too. Okay. Um, yeah, so... I had to sell that card to get Johnny Cochran to fucking defend me. <laughs> I want that card back. But that's an example of, you know, the, and doesn't have shit to do with, with vigilantes, just how fucked up and, and backwards everything is, because... Um, What's his name? The dude that played Beretta, Robert Blake. He got away with murder because he was rich and famous. Um, well, I mean, how many fucking sports dudes have gotten away with rape? Yeah, a lot. A lot. A lot and a lot. Um, I mean, Ben Roethlisberger, Kobe Bryant. Uh, you know. You can't disparage a dead man. Leave Kobe out of this. Should have picked a different helicopter. Um, <laughs> Damn, bro. You can get fucking killed in some states for saying that. <laughs> Seriously, you think I'm fucking joking? I I don't give a fuck. He was he's great. He was a great ba- basketball player, but he was also a fucking rapist. Fuck that guy. And fuck Roethlisberger. And any of the other fucking number of rapists. For some reason, Nebraska ended up with lots of criminals. The Raiders obviously ended up with lots of criminals. Obviously, because they're Raiders, right? They're pirates, right? Arr. Um <laughs> Can we start talking about yeah, uh, vigilantes. vigilantes again? Yeah, I, I, I don't want to talk about people that are in sports that have the ability to buy a good lawyer. Because there is no, no ring of vigilanteism in any of that Scene. No, I I only mentioned it yeah, because you started about talking about OJ Simpson. Yeah, I know. Um, I so I don't really know what the fuck. Like, let's talk more in detail about the things that you want to say because clearly, anything I say 
is not correct this evening. <laughs> and that could be because of the fucking Delphus Porpinium. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, we, I mean, it's not like, I think we're just talking past each other a little bit. I mean, when I was saying the subjective thing earlier, maybe I was putting it in the wrong way. And so, cause so I say, I say on this level that there's people that perceive themselves as uh, agents of history, right? They make this choice. And I like when a person's acting out and doing a mass shooting and then they turn a weapon on themselves, that's, you know, that's a much grayer area, right? But the shit that happened on January 6th, those motherfuckers had a fantasy in their mind that the political system that they were a part of was not functioning effectively. So, like when I said the strategic institutionalism thing, it's it's a weird contradiction that's built into our system because we have such reverence to the notion that our nation was built on this revolutionary moment where we said fuck you to power and created our own system of power. And as that power reproduces itself, it has enhanced itself in a way to where it's more powerful than any power they were even experiencing back then. So subjects inside of this, because we hold this reverence towards that act and those concepts, picture themselves in the shoes of the people that were throwing the, I mean, the Tea Party movement. They were, they were throwing the tea over the side. Uh, that the act of civil disobedience to the point of where you carry a gun when you're doing it. It's not just, you know, I'm going to stand, I'm going to do a sit-in, I'm going to do this, I'm going to do that. But because these individuals want to be agents of history, so like Kyle Rittenhouse, right? He was a 17-year-old that went to Kenosha, Wisconsin, because a black man was killed by a 29-year-old black man by the name of Jacob. Jacob Blake was killed by a police officer. I can't remember the fucking guy's name. Rooston was his last name. Um, and there was a huge BLM Thing that erupted up there. Rittenhouse. Rittenhouse. No, no, no I'm, I'm oh, the Rooster. other guy. Yeah, okay. Rooston was the cop gotcha. that shot uh, Blake. And Rittenhouse went from Illinois and he met up there with other people. And the rhetorical disposition was that we are here to protect the small business person, the, the businesses, so they don't get looted and rioted by these, uh, these, uh, you know angry black men yes exactly so that, i mean they're 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 creating a caricature in their head of the, the way that these other individuals so they see themselves as legitimate they see these other people as rabble rousers and they go up there and rittenhouse turns his gun on two people uh kills yeah, three people kills one and injures a third i don't i mean there were more people that were there i mean it was all caught on fucking tape right um but the image that Rittenhouse had in his mind was firmly rooted in this space that I am a historical actor. These other people are trying to destroy this system that I love, that I'm a part of. This, this is, this is honestly, like, I think this is how a person gets to the point where they see something happening and then they, they put, grab their gun and grab their fucking camo and, you know, all their different, and then go up and then commit these fucking acts. Everything that happened on January 6th, you know, all these motherfuckers, you know, they're stop the steal, stop the steal, you know, uh, dead people voting or 
people that are voting twice or people were there were people that are illegals coming into Mexico and into Arizona and New Mexico all the, every fucking conspiracy theory that was I mean cuz Trump he, he they filed tons and tons and tons and tons of you know legal injunctions and they lost all but one and the one was about as meaningless as it could have fucking possibly been but in the face of all that there was this nightmare sort of fantasy that you know this homage to the revolutionary act which is tied to that you know the the declaration of independence and i mean this is this is a very it creates a very strange social psychosis where people think where you have the oath keepers the three percenters you know like these groups that bandy together and they identify themselves as law in the face of lawlessness vigilantes i mean that's really what they you know i mean that that's the only thing like when i see a, a psychosis like that there's no legal institution that can be put in place like the system itself rewrites that you know because a lot of these guys are like you said uh paralyzed from the neck up <laughs> But some of them aren't. Some of them are actually quite fucking intelligent, and right. they're very persuasive, and they can get people to come in and do all these various different things, and then they they commit these acts. And tons of motherfuckers of you know from January sixth end up in fucking jail. Everybody except for the one that uh, Tucker Carlson loves to talk about over and over and over again, Ray Epps. But the Ray Epps question is a very legitimate question because he was caught on camera, not caught on camera. He was filmed on camera on the fifth at that. Uh, saying we need to go to the Capitol tomorrow, we need to go into the Capitol. And then he was with them outside um, at the the barricades and, you know, telling people to go in. And then, like, he changed his story a bunch, but it was funny, like, one of the ones that was on the Tucker Carlson stuff, and I, I hate ever citing Tucker Carlson because I think he's a royal douchebag, but he's a royal douchebag that sometimes pays attention to things that... Uh, uh, mainstream left-wing media would not fucking touch. They did this. They did a, an interview a couple of weeks ago on 60 Minutes on this Ray Epps guy, like uh, trying to absolve him. And they they're like, you know, an interview with Tucker Carlson no, or an interview Epps, with Ray Epps. With Ray Epps. Okay. Yeah, not with no, um, Tucker Carlson. He, they, you know that Fox News fired him, right? Yeah, he's gone. Yeah, you don't pay any attention to anything that goes on in the world. Yeah, he's out. They fired him a couple of weeks ago. He got too big for his britches. It's the same thing that they did with the, you know, the other douchebags that, you know, Bill O'Reilly and uh, Glenn Beck, you know, they got too big and they fucking ousted them. But this Ray Epps thing was a legitimate question where you, you have all of these other people who did, and to, to Ray, on Ray Epps' side, he didn't, he didn't go into the Capitol, but he was definitely inciting, you know, he was telling people, and it's all on camera. It's not confusing. There's no, there is no ambiguity in this, in this case, but, uh, it's almost like he was playing into that fantasy that he knew that these other people had of wanting to be part of history, you know, like the, the QAnon guy with the horns and the fucking body paint and all that. She's in fucking jail for 10 or 15 years. Like he got charged with all kinds of shit. So maybe I'm as guilty as the government as far as trying to put people into categories. Uh -huh. um, because I think, again, in my head, and I'm, I'm just clarifying this because I I think this is an important conversation to have, but 
at maybe the minimum, I would have considered those January 6th guys a militia of sorts, but not vigilantes. Now, I know that some people in the news have considered them vigilantes, and maybe those people themselves considered themselves vigilantes. Um, but so the the January sixth guys, I mean, are you saying that they were vigilantes? because they wanted to be part of history or because they were trying to right a wrong by keeping Trump in office, which wouldn't have fucking happened anyway unless they completely overthrew the government, which wasn't going to fucking happen. Um, but, I mean, is that what you're saying? Is that they were trying to... Is that why they're vigilantes? Because they were trying to keep Trump in office and right that wrong. Okay, so I'm using the concept of a category differently than you are. I'm not trying to plug them into a category based on anything that I see them doing, right? I am putting them into a category based on how they see themselves relative to the acts that they're committing to as an extra legal act that is trying to right what they perceive to be a wrong where it's it's like it's like they're imagining themselves as you know George Washington and you know Paul Revere and uh, Sam Adams and all these different individuals back during that time period they're like there's like this fantasy that they're playing out where they're going up against power and power that's repressive power that's uh, trying to uh, like it's 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 more about a fantasy of the way that they're seeing themselves than a legal category. That's that's really what I'm you know. And and if you get to where you're saying it's a it's a militia, it's not a vigilante. Like so, I mean, am I I'm not going to get caught into a discussion where uh, um, is is a militia a, a group of vigilantes? Then you know, I mean, like these these are all categorical distinctions, like. I'm pointing out a, a, a social tendency inside of a system that that feeds into that social tendency because of the way that we have an affinity towards certain uh, aspects of history inside the United States that breeds a psychosis that 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 where people have these fantasies and they want to go up against power like they were the people that started the United States in in the 1760s, 1770s, 1780s. I, I get that part. I'm just, again, trying to figure out because, <laughs> so, I mean. If you got it, you wouldn't ask the question the way that you just asked me, though. No, I, I understand that you're saying that they want to be this part of history or they want to emulate what happened in history. I I get that part of it but again i think that we do need to make the distinction at least on some level because okay so the reason i mentioned that's kind of that i i don't even know if i can consider him a militia but you know what it, it's fine so Our documents that our forefathers put down 
and created the country is basically creating a romantic notion that has all of the jingoists thinking that they want to be part of something very similar and so this is why things like this occur it's sort sort of i mean it's it's going in that direction i mean that's not it's but it's not like a cause and effect thing it's just this weird like why and again we're going to talk about the why are people so uh emotionally attached to romantic images in popular culture as it relates to this stuff i mean why was dexter so appealing to people honestly well i mean the answer for myself mm -hmm. is that he was doing shit that needed to get done the answer for probably the masses was that there was lots of blood and gore and it was a scary show i don't, I don't I think that you're selling people i think it's because they were enacting a, they, they were watching dexter and act the fantasy that they were experiencing themselves that could be i mean i sell people short all the time <laughs> I'm I'm not going to deny it. I just I mean if I thought that anything was done at a more intellectual level and not saying that that fantasy always equals intellect, but if I thought that they were thinking that way, then so much of the stuff that those same people do, they probably wouldn't do. Um, and maybe what not. Mean, what do you What do you mean? What do you mean? So much of the stuff that they do, they they, they wouldn't. Letting Facebook, Twitter, or TikTok make decisions for them. Um, staring at the fucking sky on the Fourth of July. You know any any of the things that they do. Um, if they tried to analyze this doesn't have anything to do with with vigilantes but it kind of illustrates what i'm talking about so i talked to you briefly about the human condition question um you know why are these people why do they continue doing what they're doing and I've asked several people, not that are out on the streets or at a mall or whatever, but people that I know, I've asked them, you know, what is it? Like, why, why go on? I don't, I don't understand what keeps me going because I'm fucking pissed all the time. I'm miserable. I, I'm not happy. So... I talked to you about it briefly, and then I talked to the same friend. Sure. Yeah. And I said, I've been thinking about, you know, maybe going around and taking some pictures, doing some interviews. But the problem is, is that I think that I would get lies and or bullshit. You know, I like, oh, well, I keep going because 
I want to help people who are worse off than me, or I know things are going to get better, or whatever. Um, and she told me, no, I don't, I don't think that's it. I think that they just don't know why they continue doing what they're doing. You know, whether like I see a dude on Colfax all the time in a fucking wheelchair and, you know, he's freezing his fucking balls off cause there's snow everywhere and he's he trying to go up a hill. He doesn't feel probably not. Because he's both, just paralyzed from the waist down. Yeah, both, both figuratively and literally. <laughs> he doesn't feel his balls. So, <laughs> so, you know, he's having hard times getting up hills and shit because there's snow everywhere. But he keeps charging that battery and he keeps going. Wow. Well, he's pushing the motherfucker. Oh, I thought he had one of those ones no. you could hit the... That would make things a little... Maybe that's why he keeps going is because he's hoping to get the fucking battery-powered wheelchair. But... <laughs> this is some dark fucking humor. Okay. My my point is our, our is that like yeah. something in our head keeps us going and we don't necessarily know what it is. But and maybe it's too dark for people to analyze or maybe they don't want to know the answer. But the reason that I mentioned it is because that's kind of why I sell people short is they either lie because they don't know or they lie because they don't want to admit the answer, well, and maybe, I don't know which. Maybe you should do the interviews. Maybe. I mean, no, I wouldn't just assume what the answer is going to be before you, you 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 get to the end. I mean, it's funny that you that you say this. So, like, because you know I love my Star Trek, right? The Q Continuum is fascinated with the human race because of the question that you're talking about. They're like, how is it that you guys in the face of impossible odds, always continue to strive to not disappear, fade into the night, you know? I mean, the tragedy is that we're too stupid to fucking get our heads around the big picture, but we do continue to bash our heads against the fucking wall to no avail. Well, and I'm not a real fucking optimist, so I know personally I don't keep going because I think things are going to get better. Um... Maybe I just keep going because I want to see everybody eat shit like I knew they would. I don't know. I don't believe that for a second. Because I'm an optimist? No, you're not an optimist. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but I, maybe I'll rephrase that. I don't think that you continue to do it only because you're waiting to see people eat shit. I think that every now and again there might be some instances where you'll appreciate a person eating shit when they're so fucking arrogant or pig-headed and, you know, that they, they need a good shit burger, you know? Yeah. But that's not why you did the fucking, uh, the Demopublican shirts. That's not why you tried to create that website. That's not why you wrote the book. That's not why you started writing screenplays. It's not why you're doing what you're doing right here, right now. Right. It's because I do have some glimmer of fucking hope. Um, so maybe it is hope that keeps me going on. It's not faith. Um, you, you and Zizek are a lot alike in this sense. Because he says, he says, everybody always tells me, you know, look at the light at the end of the tunnel. And Zizek goes, it's not a light at the end of the tunnel. It's another train coming right fucking at me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the, your, your, your cynicism is not, is not lost on my favorite academic. That's for sure.
Okay, so maybe maybe you're right. Maybe I am just selling people short, and maybe they do appreciate Dexter for that. I don't think that, that they, fantasy. Part. I don't think that they know though. I that's I, when I said that they they do it because they want that fan. They they put themselves in that spot. I don't think that most people know that's why they do it though. But they compulsively like do it over and over, like observe it over and over again because it puts them back in that fantasy of justice. But they like. I, so is it like physiological where they're getting a rush from the blood and guts? I, I or... don't. I don't. I don't even know. Like if it's if it's on a subconscious level or it or there is some sort of like physical you know response to the experience. I don't know. Like I don't know. But I mean, I know that to an absolute degree of certainty that if you live in in human existence, you appreciate concepts of uh, justice. Like justice is something that I think is. A, a universally observed value that everyone believes is is inherently good like the concept of justice the potential to have justice if it were to play out in a concrete universal good way i think it, you know i mean there are obviously people at the top that uh, they might play in the fantasy lands but they enjoy holding everybody else down at the same time so there's there's some caveats to what it is that i'm saying well that's because that's their definition justice. of justice yeah, is i'm staying on top yeah and that's justice and it's I'm just smarter. us yeah just <laughs> that's that's good I yeah like that. that's good but um get your ass off my mountain bitch but because we live in a time period where justice does not function in any concrete or meaningful way when you see a hyperbolic expression of justice being played out even in a very gory way like that and maybe that even becomes more, again, like you say, is, is there a physiological response to seeing, you know, you know that this guy, you know, raped and murdered 13-year-old, like seven 13-year-old girls, and Dexter just fucking cut him up with a fucking hacksaw, and I think that's a wonderful thing, you know, because everybody that, you know, especially anybody that has kids, but her nephews, nieces, anybody that, you know, or that it's happened to, when you see somebody go through the process of, hacking the motherfucker fucker up that's done something like that. You know, but I, I, I don't think that like, see like you, you, you going around and asking people all these questions about what keeps them going. You're probably right. A lot of people don't uh, dissect the, why the inertia continues to drive them in a specific way, but it, it does. So you're probably going to get a lot of answers that are going to be very surface but you might get seven or eight that might reveal something you know yeah maybe we'll see but most people don't know why they watch dexter i'm pretty sure that that's true i thought it was great for the first three seasons and i was like yeah it's kind of repetitive i don't know why you didn't like four i like four i like five too it just, I mean, it was formulaic. I, I mean, I understand you can only do so much with it, but okay, I'm fighting this thing. I've got this girlfriend, um, but I can't reveal who I am to her, so I wear this mask. Oh, I found a friend who can see beneath the mask. Oh, got to kill the friend. Oh. Got to kill the friend again. 
Oh, I gotta kill the friend again. Fuck, I, I gotta found, kill the friend again. I found a killer that can prove that he's done it. Oh, he killed my wife. Right. Well, but the killer was the friend too. But in the fifth season when he, uh, Lumen, which I mean, that's so tacky. I mean, to give her, you know, like, you know, like shedding light, you know, Lumen, you know. Yeah. Um, but to help her liberate herself, you know, where she, she comes in touch with the darkness because of her experience with that, that douchey bunch of guys. And then she fucking goes and kills them all with him. Yeah. And then she's liberated. Like, and the fact that he doesn't, like, feel obligated to, he trusts her, in, 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 even when she leaves. That yeah. was the weirdos that, like, were in that, ended up being, like, a fucking, uh... The Barrel Girls one. Yeah, okay. But they were, they ended up all working for, like, that fucking guy that did... Jordan Chase. Yeah, like... Self-help. Stuff. Self-help speaking. Yeah. Your primal self. Yeah. And then he says that it's all from the fucking symposium by Plato. That's tacky bullshit. What a fucking jackass. So we, a very bad reading of the symposium. We should probably talk about Dexter more in the, the other one. Yeah, entertainment yeah, episode. Yeah. Uh, but people don't understand well, Plato or the Greeks in general. I was at the bar one time and somebody told me that the Odyssey was just a book about how bad bitches will fuck you over. <laughs> and I was like, dude, are you <laughs> are you serious? Um The sirens, man. <laughs> the sirens fuck you over, man. <laughs> so um anyway I, I, so is a militia a bunch of vigilantes or no? I know the categorically thing. I, I, I get it. I'll shut up about that. So then what else do you want to talk about? Well, I don't care. I mean, we can talk about whatever, you know, I mean, let's, oh, this is a good one. Okay. So this is actually kind of fun. So this is not a militia in the United States. All right. So, um, what's MS-13? Mm-hmm. There were motherfuckers down in fucking is El Salvador, right? Where that was going on. Mara right? Salvatrucha. Have you, have you heard about La Samba Negra? The Black Shadow? Mm-mm. These motherfuckers would find fucking MS-13. So, MS-13 is a fucking drug gang, right? A fucking horrible, evil, killing, murdering, not very forgiving drug gang in El Salvador. Um... Well, everywhere they're global now. Now they are, but they, they they were their original base was in El Salvador. <laughs> the people that were fleeing from Central America because of the drug wars and because of the forced uh, growing of what, what were they forcing them? They were forcing them to grow. There was something there forcing them. To grow. No, I I wasn't. I I was shaking my head because I don't fucking know. It could I, be coffee, bananas. It no, could... it was drugs of some sort. It oh, they were forcing them. Heroin stuff or something. Okay, one or the other. But uh, the, yeah, they. Oh, MS-13 was forcing them to grow it. Yeah. uh I thought you meant the government was forcing people to grow stuff, and that's why MS-13 said, fuck you, we're not going to grow coffee. We can make a lot more money off Coke. Yeah. It was a hyper-oppressive environment, though, where they were forcing the farmers to grow all this shit, and they were fucking killing anybody that didn't do it, which is why when you talk about people that left El Salvador and are trying to get refuge in here as as, as asylum, gain asylum here, it's because they were trying to escape MS-13. Well, there's this other group 
I'm gonna. It, they were allegedly, and they don't really know a ton about it. Um, but uh, they were going and like kidnapping the MS-13 guys and like sexually molesting them and then fucking killing them in horrible, brutal ways as a way to like say, you do what you do here, you do what you do there, but if you fucking come here, it's over. And the belief was that they were all ex-law enforcement people um, because they knew how to do certain things that other people didn't know how to do. That rendition shit sounds like United States training to me. Yeah, Black it, bags over the head. It could, it could be, yeah. I mean, but no matter what, they were, I mean, the... It was straight up, and this was like a vigilante group that was inside El Salvador that was going after the gangs that were doing all this shit to regular people. So that was kind of a cool, uh, like, on some level, like, if a person's a vigilante like that, like, I like that. I don't have no fucking problems with that. I kind of dig that, but now that you mention that, so regardless of whether the United States trained them or not, or whether or not they get their fucking weapons from the United States or anything else, um... Because it, it wouldn't surprise me. I mean, because MS-13 has gotten to be such a big problem here that a lot of the the MS-13 gang members that were here were deported back home, and they ended up being more powerful there because then they had, like, the street cred from the United States and whatever. So it wouldn't surprise me if they tried to shut it down and Central America in the hopes that it would slow things down in the United States, which that's again, just like the the bus trick that California pulled with the fucking gang members in the eighties where they bought them bus tickets instead of putting them in jail and shipped them to fucking Utah and Denver and fucking Portland and wherever um, that just spread the fucking gang problem. So I think that that's really kind of a cool thing, but let's say they are a large organization, they have military training, they have automatic weapons, small arms, maybe even fucking tanks and shit, I don't know, um, explosives, whatever, and they're shutting down MS-13, then they are vigilantes, because they're taking the law into their own hands and helping out farmers and whatever. But are they also a militia? See, you're 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 taking it further than it was though, and you should go back and look. They, these were not. Well, the reason they, I they asked. They weren't functioning out in the open though. There were not. They did not have tanks. They did not have a bunch of arms or a bunch of places. There were things that they had, and there were capabilities that they had. I'll acknowledge both of those things. But the reason why they were called. The Black Shadow, Osama Negra, Negra, was because the intention was to not be visible. You know, the intention was to, and and to become the boogeyman. You know, I mean, when you're moving in and out real quick, and it could be you next, you've got you've got more power than if you just try to become the next opposing. No, I get level. that, but if they truly wanted to remain in the shadows. Mm -hmm. They wouldn't have given themselves a fucking name. You and your fucking technicalities, dude. <laughs> well, you, dude. You can give yourself a name, and you, 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 the boogeyman sometimes has to have a name. Maybe. I just think giving yourself a signature is a bad Kaiser way. To, Kaiser Sose! Kaiser Sose! Bad way to get caught. Um, 
so the reason I ask though is because something similar happened in Colombia with Escobar and FARC uh -huh. and you know those lines kind of ended up blurring a little bit sometimes and then separating again and blurring again and so FARC was fighting against the fucking cocaine manufacturers, distributors, whatever you want to call them, the narco traffickers. Um, were those guys either vigilantes in the definition of just taking the law into their own hands and or the the definition that we've kind of been talking about for 15 or 20 minutes where it's some people wanting to be part of history well i you know i have a friend that she just actually defended her dissertation last year she lives in Colombia. yeah swedish girl yeah, right yeah and she uh i mean her whole dissertation was based on interviews that she had with FARC and ex-FARC uh, act activists, you know. I mean, like the way that they're always characterized in popular media is militant left-wing activists, you know. Um, I mean, because it becomes sort of subjective, you know. I mean, a person could turn to them and say, you're just, you're, you're a terrorist, you know. Uh, you're a vigilante. I mean, they clearly, they read their marks and they identified themselves as revolutionary activists. I mean, which suggests clearly that they saw themselves as agents of history. I mean, in, in that context. But I think if, and I hate, because I don't like creating fucking fine line distinctions like this, because I think it betrays the disposition, like of a varying disposition with regards to categories in it like static abstractions that, but for our purposes here, I'll, I'll play, I'll play along in this instance. They, they were working uh, in a group where the group was more important than the individual. So, and that meant that the view of history that they were trying to succeed at attaining was more important than any, you know, and when you see like people that identify themselves as vigilantes, there is a concept of ego. There is a concept of ego in that space that, uh, and I know I'm sounding like I'm a little bit romantic about uh, the way that they characterize themselves, but I do think that there's enough of a distinction where when it's not about, you know, Che, when it's not about uh, Castro, you know, when it's not about Mao, don't get me wrong. Like, I'm not, the shit that they did that's not the point but there are certain dispositions inside of i mean and it, it's true to say that sometimes there are people that are inside those spaces where the the the, the head of the is, is gets too big big for his britches and probably should get cut off I, I i get that but FARC, the way that they functioned for 29 years when they were uh for all intents and purposes at war with the u.s government and with the drug cartels like you were talking about um they maintained a position that was fortified inside of Colombia to where they came out of it, no longer at war. Um, 
and a viable political force, political economic force inside of Colombia, even even to this day. You know, I mean, I think that that kind of distinguishes them from that. Because I think that, like, again, I think the vigilante is, is, a, is a psychosis. I think seeing yourself like that is not probably a healthy thing to do. I think that there might be moments in history where it's essential for something like that to exist. You need that sort of, like, dark superhero to sort of, like, come out. But at the same time, like, one of the two, two or three times that I was listening to things, they, they talked about Dillinger. Like, um, was he just a, you know, a criminal or was he, you know, really, a, I mean because he was making a point about things. I mean, he was making a point about the power of uh, the system and giving a big fucking middle finger to the city. It wasn't just the, although the, the Robin was a part of it, you know? So, but when it coalesces on a social level like that, where it becomes more dynamic, I think that that creates a space to where it opens up a space to where there's a possibility of something that transcends a normal concept like uh, vigilanteism. Well, so, you know, what you just said about FARC, and I didn't even think about that because I was sitting here and I was like, you know, they did fight the United States government, but they were also fighting the Colombian government. And maybe they were fighting the Colombian government because of the United States. Um, We were definitely giving the Colombian government a bunch of hardware and training. I mean, right. But so... And this, and I'm not trying to back you into a corner and, and make you give an answer. Again, I'm just trying to have a discussion. But so, Park, you know, at, at one time they're considered rebels, terrorists. And then now, like you said, they're a political party, they've got some juice. Um, with the way that that transition happened, they, on a smaller level, are kind of what the United States militia and then eventually the armed forces did against the Crown. Because, well, and again, that's why I said a smaller level, but I mean, we were just fucking rebels, terrorists, whatever. And then we said, fuck you. Now we are our own country. Get the fuck out. Um, I know FARC didn't say get the fuck out. It's but kind of an apples and oranges thing, I'd, I'd say. I was just trying to fucking... Back me into a corner. I no, know. I was trying <laughs> to fucking say that they were a militia and now they're actually, you know, looked on at a global level as somebody that isn't a terrorist, they are a political power um, more than just being a bunch of people in the jungle with the guns or on the coast with the guns, whatever. Um, that yeah, the that was the yeah, geography is really important. That was the analogy that I was making, not the fact that they got their own country dick face. Um, okay. So, I don't know, because there's is definitely a lot more interesting. I mean, because they were fighting against so many different people at so many different times and allied with 
so many different people the fact at that so they many made different it through, times. The fact that they made it through that, you know, as something, you know, not totally being destroyed is, is kind of remarkable. I mean, that's why, it, like, I had actually talked to her about if, if we got going at, at this at some point in time, if she'd want to come on and talk to us about it specifically. And she, she said, absolutely. So maybe we'll figure that one out because it is really when I say it's apples and oranges there, I mean, but there are similarities and there are things that like, uh, but to be able to come through it and to exist in the aftermath. But I mean, that beg, begs a bunch of questions too. Are you, are you just being bought out at that point in time? You know, do you, do you, are you forfeit a bunch of your ideals to, to come out from underground? You know, like the, uh, you, you, you function like the weather underground, you were significantly more effective than the weather un underground ever was. But when you resurfaced, you know, I mean, Bernadine Dorn and Bill Ayers, Teach one of them teaches at Northwestern, the other one teaches some other school in Chicago area, Illinois, somewhere there. You know, um, most of them are professors. You know, I mean, they're they're clearly not revolutionaries anymore, and that's of course that that's a much smaller scale than what it was that Bark was capable of doing. But what did they sacrifice by? I mean, and that's something that we have to ask her about, what because she's going to be a lot closer to it. She'd have a much more interesting opinion than I ever would. Well, and but I mean, I'm a cynic, so I ask that question any time something like that happens, mm -hmm. regardless of what level we're talking about. But I mean, if you go from being a terrorist to all of a sudden being accepted by the government that had deemed you a terrorist, you know, what did you have to do? Did you rat a bunch of people out? Yeah. I... Um, you know, did you have to pay bribes? Um, swear, swear fealty to the crown. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all of those, all of those things. Yeah. yeah. It's it's an important question, but I mean, I think that one solid rejoinder, generally speaking, is, and I like, I have to say that when the weather underground people came up from underground, like what they did there, um, it reminds me of some of the stuff that happened when Gorbachev was in power in the Soviet Union and. Uh, if you read Perestroika, there's this uh, there's this part in it where he talks <laughs> he talks about um, uh, the, so there has to be this sort of like unifying hegemonic rise for the next new dialectical synthesis to come come in play, um, meaning that uh, the Soviet Union and the form that it exists as a counterpoint to the United States had outlived its social usefulness. And it had to kind of get consumed by that system to drive something else further to the, you know, I mean, like, and, and, and in that context, I, I don't know enough about FARC to say whether or not this is so, but I know the weather underground enough to know that Bernadine and Bill both spent a ton of time because they, they, there was nothing more that they, they weren't going to blow any more buildings up the ability for the state to observe everything that you were doing was becoming much more sophisticated at that point. Um, they had been given a gateway out because the FBI had done so many illegal things in terms of ob observing them that they basically said, we will not charge you for any of those things as long as you guys come up and no more. Say fini, it's over, you know. Um, and in that, in that moment, uh, they reinvented themselves. They reinvented themselves to where they uh um like like bernardine and bill specifically um writ they they wrote a bunch of books on uh uh 
criminalizing children, you know, like uh, making it so that the revolving door of kids coming in out of prison would start at a very young age inside of very specific communities. And they did a bunch of stuff to try to help those kids have, you know, different ways out. Um, but that was still striking at the power structure. They never stopped coming out, but they, they had to change their tactics because the old tactics were no longer going to be functional. And I assume that on some level, when you've been stuck in the fucking jungle for 30 years, you know, and the, you, you're going to get to a stalemate where you have to find a way to reincorporate yourself back into that system and you can affect it in different ways because you're no longer standing kind of, you know, sort of like opposed to it as, as an opposite, but you go inside of it and sort of like the, when Neo and Smith, you know, they, they, they come together and then they explode and then something new comes out of it, you know? I mean, it's the same kind of idea as that, so. I wonder, yeah, no, I, I just, I, I, I understand what you're saying. I was just sitting here trying to figure out, like, there, it doesn't matter. I, cause I know we're kind of on the same page. We're just kind of slightly disagreeing like we do on pretty much every other fucking topic. <laughs> um, but I think the, the basis is there. Um, so I think just this couple of hours worth of conversation has, well, that and the, the little bit of research that I did over the past week has kind of changed my personal def definition of what a vigilante is or isn't. Um, but I still have a real hard time with the lynch mob thing being a vigilante. Well, I mean, but you, you even said the people that were identifying those, those people, especially in 21, I mean, that like, yeah, calling calling a lynch mob where you're going down and destroying, you know, like you have a group of people that have been fucking disenfranchised as humans, you know, for and they finally uh, create a level of success for themselves, and you go down there and you fucking kill them all. I mean, yeah, those guys are. I mean, by our definition, I'm not going to look at that person as. But I mean, again, like it's uh, the assholes that justified what they were doing they identify them as as vigilantes because they were using the concept of vigilantes i mean it's no different than what fucking trump is did you know right and and so one of the i mean to bring it back full circuit to the old town hall thing uh one of the questions that uh the i can't remember the name of the lady that did most of the she was such a fucking idiot she was so bad but she said are you going to pardon if you become president are you going to pardon the um January 6th people yeah the people that are in prison he says I you know I'm not gonna say I'm gonna do it to every one of them you know but I'll look at each one of them as a case-by-case -case basis and he says I'm gonna tell you right now that a lot of them don't belong in jail you know I mean so and what they did was you know was pure dipshittery you know I'm sorry three percenters you know that that wasn't revolution you know I've thought a lot about revolution in my life and that ain't fucking what revolution looks like that looks like a bunch of fucking elder statesmen, you know, that you have a pocket full of fucking Viagra that got a hard on for something and 
you know, miss the fucking spot. If you if you go if you shoot for the king, what do they say? If you shoot for the king, you better not fucking miss. Yeah. And they fucking missed like in the totally wrong. They didn't even know what they were fucking going. I mean, honestly, you're gonna go take down the fucking vice president because then the Senate's uh, making it official is no longer official. I mean, you guys are idiots. Get the fuck over yourselves. I just the the entire thing fucking still kind of makes me laugh because I mean I don't know how much thought was actually put into it or maybe like you're saying they just wanted to be part of history so bad that they wanted that infamy um I would be curious to have a conversation I would, and I'd be open to listen to whatever they had to say you know I would be curious to hear what the ones that were at the top of it what was really going on in their minds. I think that would be an interesting conversation. Because they weren't they weren't getting at any of them. I mean, all of those buildings have fucking super secure lockdowns. They have fucking probably secret transport out from the basement. I, I mean several secret transport. Yeah. yeah. I mean, like a fucking train. I'm not talking about a little tunnel that you can walk out of. I'm you talking about route, like a real going fucking... down and there's a fucking train there and it zooms you out. Or and something to that effect. Next thing you know, you're in fucking Pennsylvania and totally away from everything. I'm not going to go that far, Elon Musk. Or at your know. missile silo in fucking Virginia or wherever you, you, you really your underground Elon bunker. Musk. Well, they really do have all of that shit. I mean, there's a fucking underground bunker in, I think it's northern Virginia that is large enough to house the house. I mean, it's huge. There's a difference between an underground bunker and having a fucking high-speed bullet train to Pennsylvania underneath the fucking, starting at the Capitol. You know, oh, Pennsylvania and Washington D.C. aren't that far. I'm apart. the I'm the Star Trek guy, dude. You you can't do the Star Trek getaway thing. <laughs> that wasn't Star Trek. That's like real life. Um, it's like Star Trek for moles. Right. Right. Um, but anyway, so just to think about it, unless they have like schematics, building schematics and shit like that, the plan was destined to fail and and i think that they knew that and that's the part that makes me laugh well especially since like we know in the aftermath that the atf and the fbi and all these different institutions had totally fucking infiltrated these organizations right there was no confusion about what was i mean the fact that it got as far as it did without anybody intervening to stop it is maybe something that people should be asking a few more questions about, you know, like why, why, why the, why they would let that play out like that. Is that, is that really what, you know, is that what the FBI should be doing in these days and ages, you know, being part of these spaces, just watching and doing. And I've asked some of those questions too, you know, like, did they wait because they wanted to make sure that they committed the crime before they arrested them so that there was a crime as opposed to, you know, some of the other shit, because I know I've accused them of, like, false arrest because somebody was flying to a country where terrorism was. So they're like, well, we're going to get you under Patriot Act, 
you were going to be a terrorist. Fuck you, I wasn't going to be a terrorist. I was taking a trip. I mean, until I commit a crime, I don't care who I'm fucking talking to. I didn't do anything wrong. That's that's one of the reasons why people were talking so much about Epps was because, so like on the night of the fifth, the the one where they got him on camera. If you go just go to YouTube and look up Epps January fifth, there's a clip of him saying, "Tomorrow we gotta go into the Capitol." And there's this guy standing right next to him, and he starts going, "Fed, Fed, Fed," and everybody's like, "Fed, Fed, Fed," because he's telling them to do things that would cause yeah, right. only a, a person who's trying to inflame. The same shit that they used to do to the left all the fucking time. It's nice to see him do it to the right a little bit since, you know, my people have been brutalized so, so often over this issue. I'm, I'm glad you figure that those are your people. <laughs> my people. They're all my people. Um, I, I so just like them saying fed. That made me happy, like, instantly. We're, we're over an hour now. We're coming up on an hour and five. Um, I I, I want to go back to something you said because I had no idea about that guy. Um, so, being in Texas, I'm going to call him a Mexican. I'm sure that if he has fucking swastikas and shit on him, he's going to call himself Spanish. Um, but... We, we've got to do a fucking episode at some point on, I don't know, maybe race relations, but something, because this guy, I don't give a fuck if his name was an Irish, Scottish, German surname. Unless he fit a certain profile, the Nazis probably would have fucking killed him. They definitely wouldn't have given him a good job. So for somebody to walk around with fucking SS tattoos and swastikas and shit, um, it is just utter stupidity. Uh, so I, I think it's important to talk about, but I think that this... And you did use him as an example of one of those people that wants to be part of history, right? I, I think that... A history fan, that, agent? That his, fan, his, his fantasy is something like that, yes. The, fan, the, the, the psychosis in his mind is that he sees himself as a historical actor. Okay, so the, the psychosis in his particular instance that made him a vigilante was that he wanted to be... Or help white people in their fucking race for supremacy? I'm no, not, I, I know. No, 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 sense. no, dude. I, I, I know. Well, I am trying to make it make sense. I don't understand it. Like, something drives a person to do something like that. Is it just because they're angry? It, they, they see themselves committing an act that they feel is necessary. Do you remember in the late 80s and early 90s, here around Denver, and I, I think that they had made a national thing, but there were, um, I think they were called snot, but it was, they were a bunch of skinheads, but they were against 
racial prejudice. Sharp. It was sharp. Skinheads Skin. against racial prejudice. prejudice. Jesus Christ, dude. Not. Delphos you know, you were here. part of a group called Dildo. No, there were Dumb some idiot loves dildo. There were some fucking there were some skinheads called Snot too, or maybe there were some skinheads in a band called Snot. I know that skinheads had something to do with Snot. No, there was Snot. Skinheads in a band called Snot. But those sharp guys, like you know, they wore the flight jackets, they wore the Doc Martins, they had the braces, not on their teeth, on their shoulders. Um. They had the shitty haircuts, and a lot of them were black or Mexican, but they were skinheads. And I don't... The skinhead movement did not start as a racist movement when it started in the UK. It was not a racist movement. It graduated to a racist movement later on. It It did not begin as a racist movement. Skinheads were initially not... Racist. Really? Yes. You, you, I can find some stuff on no, it. That, yeah, I, it started in the UK and they were all punks, but they were. It was about consciousness and it was about not doing a bunch of drugs and they were like sharp. Because sharps wasn't just skinheads against racial racial prejudice. It was it was treating your body a certain way, you know. Well, because by the early eighties, the skinheads in the UK were racist. I don't think all of them were. Okay. I think that things were being projected a certain way in, in the media, but uh, I'll, I'll find you some information on that. That's that. fine. I can I can do research too. I um. I don't think so. No, you're right. <laughs> I'm just gonna look up snot. Um. So. Snot. What the fuck was that, dude? No, I'm telling you, there was a fucking band called Snot, and it. It was a punk was band? related. To fucking skinheads somehow. Um, but, okay, I, I never realized that skinheads were not racist to begin with. So maybe the black people that were skinheads... Um, There's a snot rapper. ...were before the, the racist skinheads, so they had more justification to be there than the others. And I don't think the ones that were against racial prejudice were getting Nazi tattoos and, and, you know, SS symbols and whatever icons tattooed on their body. I think you're safe to assume that, yes. Well, I don't know if I am or not, because there's apparently some Mexican down in Texas with fucking swastikas all over. This is the 21st century weirdo, you know? Fuck. Yeah, he. I guess. I mean, all this stuff is coming from the the left. So I I need to like. But I, there was a guy that came on Breaking Points and talked a bunch about about it. So uh, we'll see. Well, I, like, I, there's some people that I trust when you know, when I read their media, and there are others that I just don't trust at all. So, do you know? Did he like? Was his swastika about brown supremacy and not? No. No. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. No, my my understanding, and I'll send something to you after we close out but my understanding is that it was it was an identification with white supremacy like he did not like he i don't think the spanish thing isn't exactly i don't know if i but well i'll have to get just some more information on it at a, at a later point 
But he did have that shit all over himself. And it was like fucking like just like uh in uh what's the name of the movie? Snot. Uh, Ed Norton, not Snot. American, American History, History X. X. Yeah, like the shit that he had on himself. Yeah, it was just about as in your fucking face as it could possibly. There was no confusion what this guy's ideological disposition was, despite the fact that he had a Spanish surname, you know? Dude. Well, that goes back to the fucking whole healthcare thing, because um, people are out of their fucking minds. Um, okay, so we're at an hour 12. You want to talk about anything else? Oh, there was just one other thing. The only way we're going to solve this is to get a get the political constipation a good political a social constipation to get a good social anima. So, <laughs> when I was thinking about it, I like earlier today I was like, we really are just totally socially constipated. Apparently, Darren also has the fucking Delphus. Morphinium thing going on. That's a different kind of blockage, though. Um, <laughs> all right. So, next two episodes will be shit like Batman and fucking Dexter and whatever. There, there's a bunch of good, though. Yeah. yeah there's we, a ton we have of stuff. A falling down. I need, I haven't ever watched that. I need to watch that movie before this weekend. The one with Michael Douglas in it, where. He kind of, he's got a bazooka in it. He's got his vigilante parts. Like, he stopped crime. I think he stopped a robbery. He does all kinds of weird shit, dude. He's, well, he trying, to get snap, his, he's, he's fucking, trying to get to his kid's birthday party. I think if I right? remember, yeah. But I think if I remember, he shot a fucking VCR repairman. I mean, he just started, he just flat fucking snapped, dude. That, well, then that might be a good one to where it's like, the darker side of that sort of vision that I'm, I mean, the thing that I'm positing, you know, not so much whether or not it's something that I identify as vigilanteism, but how he's feeling in the moment that's causing him to sort of go off the fucking rails. And a lot of these people are going to be the anti-hero hero, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, that's Batman I'm, is the, is the, is the crystallization of the anti-hero hero, right? Well, one of my favorites is the Punisher. Oh, they talked a bunch about the Punisher in this thing that I read. He's a fucking badass. And there was this other, there was this top ten of uh, vigilante movies that I was watching, and there was another, there was a movie that was based off the Punisher, and they used a different name, but uh, because of how important he is as an anti-hero hero. Yeah. Um, So, shit like that is coming up in the next two episodes. Uh, short bus debate club at yahoo.com 720-334 roll roll get, bitches get off this bus bitch get we're off done the bus, get off the bus <laughs>